0: Hello, I'm Scott Sashnik. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Sarver Selling Sons Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast.
1: Did you mean to do so much alliteration? I did Sportico's indeed. Sarver Selling Sons, it's <laughs> sensational,
0: scintillating. You and I both love alliteration. And succinct. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well done. Some breaking news today, Scott. As we record this, I
1: love, I love. Like, hey, let's sit down and record the podcast. And you know, five uh, five minutes beforehand, we get a big breaking news story. But I got to tell you, Evan, you and I have been talking about this in the office, and for you know, we we were going to get around to it. Uh, I don't think people understood the process here uh Adam Silver and again I I I briefly admit you know long time friend known Adam for almost 30 years uh he got dragged through the coals for his performance at the NBA Board of Governors press conference with the punishment of one year and uh the fine it wasn't enough and it was all about oh Adam Adam selling out Adam doing his best Roger Goodell Adam I don't think people understood that moving right away to seize the team would have invited a lawsuit from Robert Sarver uh, I think Adam understood that let's buy ourselves some time, which is the year suspension, during which we work behind the scenes. And that happens an awful lot. People need to understand that there are a lot happens behind the scenes. I was 99.99999999% sure the moment Adam had his press conference that Robert Sarver would never return as coach of the Suns and Mercury. And sure enough, in his statement, we had a little bit of cancel culture there. uh, Saying, you know, in this time of whatever, you know, lack of forgiveness or whatever the terminology was, he he didn't say cancel culture, but he said cancel culture in other words. um, That, uh, you know, he just realized that the distraction, I don't want to put through all the things that you and I had talked about that what he was going to say when he said he was selling the team, everything was in there uh, so no surprise that we have a uh, an nba team now in a good market you know a, a sunny market close to la there will be no shortage of suitors for the phoenix suns
0: Th- this is obviously a, i think a, a good result all told for for the nba he he seems to be doing this willingly or at least he's come to the conclusion that that he has to do this it's not as though he was going to be dragged kicking and screaming, having this team taken away from him, which I think would have been a very ugly result for the NBA. However, and I want to get your thoughts on this, the, by virtue of the way this played out, I think a lot of NBA fans, casual or maybe even avid NBA fans, are going to think about the, the way this went publicly and say, oh, Adam and, and the rest of the NBA owners didn't want to do this. They only wanted to give him a year. Then players started speaking out. Chris Paul, LeBron James, unions started speaking out, both the NBA and WNBA Players Association started speaking out. Jamna Jaffe, the largest shareholder of the Suns, who's not Robert Sarver, spoke out. PayPal, one of their biggest sponsors, also spoke out. I think for a lot of people, they're going to think that the NBA didn't want to do this and their hand was forced by a lot of people outside the NBA. And you seem to be saying that, 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 that the die was already cast within the NBA. I just wonder if this is a frustrating result in that regard, in that it looks as though Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA owners didn't realize until late that this had to happen.
1: Should I give you sort of the Harvard Business School case study answer? You know, sort of that you know, tech textbook answer? Yep. <laughs> yep, that's what's going to happen. Yep, that's what's going to happen. Uh, still, the NBA and Adam, this is a better result than having Robert Sarver fight in court. Agreed. At, 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 if this is the way it had to go, and you know, Tamika, the, uh, the new executive director over at the NBPA, she has a good relationship with Adam. It is not the contentious relationship that we, we're used to um, between David Stern and Billy Hunter, uh, or even Michelle Roberts and Adam, which was somewhat in a much more much improved and we haven't had the labor stoppage. They are negotiating a CBA. Things seem to be going rather well um in the background so this doesn't happen in a vacuum they are talking about myriad issues and you can bet that Adam and Tamika had had more than one conversation about let me explain nba process let me explain why that doesn't mean by the way that you know she's just going to remain silent and not say anything but the tenor of the statements From not only the NBPA, but the WNBPA and Chris Paul, it all seemed as if they understood clearly that the NBA's position was not one that would favor Robert Sarver staying on his owner. It was was measured. It was clear. But this was not a let's call for Adam's head and this, oh my God, we're, this is incredulous and we have got to fight. I, I, something tells me while going public the way they had to, there was an undercurrent of communication as to what the NBA really wanted to achieve and more importantly, what the league had to do to achieve that goal with the least upheaval possible. And the fact that this quickly, and I don't think it's because of Najafi, I don't think it's because of PayPal, uh, maybe, you know, obviously, you got to pay attention when you knew there was going to be a, a storm from the players. You knew, you knew. Chris Paul would have made that clear because he was involved in, in the whole Clippers affair. We know uh, where Chris Paul stands on things like this. The fact that it happened this quickly and Robert Sarver is not fighting, he is stepping aside. He sees where this is headed. He's not gonna make trouble for the NBA. This is a win for Adam. It's a win for the players. It's a win for the sponsors. This is a win all around that if you want to grade the mess, ju- I mean, just because of the fact there was a mess, you had to have the investigation and, and he said what he said and he and he did what he did, you know, there's a mess. But from take take that out of the equation and put a grade on the, the cleanup of the mess, this is an A for the NBA and everybody else involved.
0: One of the things that stu- stood out to me in, in the letter that the WNBPA sent to both Adam and WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbert on Tuesday was the fact that they felt as though Robert had not shown any sort of, uh, 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 of real remorse for, for the ugly details that came out in that report. I gotta be honest, Scott, we don't editorialize that much in this regard on this show. It's hard for me to feel bad for him reading his, even his statement, and you referenced it there. He, I, I'm a man of faith. I believe in atonement and a path of forgiveness. The one-year suspension would have provided me time to focus on that and make amends, but in our current unforgiving climate, it's become painfully clear that that's no longer possible. I mean, in some ways, he's blaming the public for the fact that he has to sell this team and doesn't really actually seem to be taking full account of the fact that over an 18 year period, he exposed himself to multiple employees. He was saying comments about, about black employees and female employees and girlfriends of players that were all extremely inappropriate. It doesn't feel like he has, fully come to reckoning with with the fact that that, that that this is because of his own actions. You mentioned all the winners here, Scott. There's going to be a financial winner as well, in Robert Sarver uh, yeah. has to sell the team, is selling the team. We valued the Suns at $1.9 billion. It's possible that that's going to go higher. It's possible that that's going to go lower, um, but it's going to end up being a pretty sizable windfall uh, for, for Robert. I don't have right here what, what he bought the team for when he did, but this is going to be one of the most expensive NBA transactions the league has ever seen.
1: Yeah, I spoke to Jerry Colangelo like immediately after the news. Of course, Jerry, the longtime Suns owner who sold the team to Sarver, and I just sort of asked him about, you know, what do you think plays out next? And he he just like I haven't even had time to digest this. Like he I, he he literally said, I read a couple of minutes beforehand that he that Sarver was selling the team. He's like it's just too early for him, but uh, I could see. Jerry Colangelo moving to sort of put people together, play deal maker for folks. Who don't. Yeah, yeah. He yep. sold the team to Sarver. And interesting yep. to note that Robert Sarver, when he bought the team, did not use a banker. He did it himself. Uh, if we're trying to handicap moving forward, like I don't think the NBA and I don't think the NBA will allow Sarver to sell the team. By himself, I don't himself. think they want him to run the
0: process. He's technically suspended from the team. He's technically for
1: suspended, yeah. yeah, but you know, but I, uh, you know, can you put that aside if it's him getting out? <laughs> if it, you know, I don't know. But I, even so, I just don't think they would they would want that dynamic right now. My guess, and I'm handicapping here just from years of doing this and seeing my my, my guess would be that either Goldman Sachs or Allen and Company would be retained by the sons to to seek a buyer. Uh, And I've told you this story before. There was a a prospective buyer of an NBA team. And when he was looking around for clubs, he said to me, all I want is the ability when the game's over. Can I get in my plane and have my head in my on my pillow for a good night's sleep? That was sort of like the radius they were willing to draw for where now, like Phoenix, New York, that's not the case. So, you know, but L.A.? Phoenix, LA—that's the case. So I'm looking west, my young man, to see uh, prospective buyers. Uh, we've seen um, we, we've seen Bob Iger's name pop up already as a possible buyer. He'd shown some interest previously. Look, look west to see who might be interested in this franchise. I think the Suns are a sleeping giant. Good market, great weather. Uh, Going to be really interesting to see how many what what the runway looks like for this franchise.
0: Sarver bought the team. I have it here, two thousand four for four hundred and one million dollars was the valuation. So probably what, what was the year?
1: X. I'm sorry. What was the year again? Two thousand four. Um, two thousand four. So okay. Like so a I mean, X return. A good buy and hold.
0: A not not, not hold. too shabby. How different Scott is 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 this process now that it is coming under these circumstances uh, versus what it might have been like if. Just kind of randomly Sarver announced, you know, I'm looking to looking to get out and I'm going to hire a banker and, and, and start this process. It does feel like these, these sales like the Clippers one that come on the heels of, of some very unexpected forced thing end up being very frothy and often fetching big numbers.
1: Are you using my word? Did you see? St- so you asked. You asked the question, knowing what word I would use in my arsenal in my response. Like so now, I, pyramid. Yeah. So now A I got to go another way. Something. I can't say frothy. You know, you took it from me. Uh, so thank you very much for that. So I'm going to go another way. For, with a former Fed Reserve chairman and use the words irrational exuberance. Mm, okay. if, if I may, even though it's probably pretty rational because these are great investments as we've seen. Uh, but I think the best comparison is the Clippers. You know, that sort of came out of, oh my God, they're taking the team and it's going to be sold. And y- you do have a bit of exuberance, damn it, frothy ex- exuberance at the start. <laughs> um, so I think you're going to get a little bit of that here. You're going to You're going to have... People who maybe wouldn't have been ready or don't have the liquidity or were kicking tires, but like they're going to show interest now just because it, it's available. Like bam, it's in your face. Here it is. It's not. It's now available. But that's changed over time. We've we've spoken many times now. One of the things the leagues do and the commissioners in general, in particular, rather is they line up prospective owners. Well, you know, I don't use the the word runway lightly. I mean, I really want people to kind of get the visual. When you're waiting for takeoff and there's traffic at your airport, and you know, I know that doesn't really happen in real life, but if there's traffic in an airport, you can see there's 20 planes waiting to take off. That's the prospective owner thing right here. And we should add, because we've talked about other sales that are trust sales, that is not the case here. You know, Robert Sarver can pick who he wants to have this team. Uh, Najafi, as you said, the number, the number two stakeholder owns about 12%. He and his brother, I believe. He does not, from my understanding. He does not have a right of first refusal to buy the club. Uh, he does have tag along rights, which means, you know, OK, if he wants to sell, he can go on. He can he can sell along with Sarver or, or he can he can stay in. So uh, I think you're looking at just an open auction here. You know, it, it's going to be really interesting to see the number of global billionaires that come knocking.
0: And, and so gun to your head over under. We have a new son's owner on January 1st. Yes or no?
1: Uh, what you know me, and now, now you're going to make me embarrass myself when I have to say, <laughs> wait, what month are we in? Didn't I ask you the other, didn't I not just yesterday, I believe it was, say to you, what year is this? As
0: we record this on September 21st.
1: <laughs> well, you, well you, and, you and I went to get our flu shots earlier in the week. And re- yeah. remember when, when I was filling out the form and I said, what year, what year is this? It, and the woman behind the
0: counter said 2023. <laughs> she said 2023. Yeah, exactly. And by the way,
1: I would have written it down if, <laughs> if you didn't say, no, no, 22. So there you go. Thank you very much for putting me on. So we're September and you're saying gun to head. What was the date?
0: January 1st. Is there a new Sun's owner? No. Okay.
1: I, I, I think it's going to take a, a little bit longer. Yeah,
0: it makes me think, Scott, of of the the last major forced quote unquote forced sale that we had in sports was Chelsea, which was a huge number, and it happened so quickly, so much faster than it was just I think it was two months from from when uh, Roman said he was going to sell the I, team. I, I to can't con- wait
1: till program. we do the documentary on that sale. Frankly. Yeah, th-
0: that is an outlier and not the not the way these things happen.
1: So now many, in com- yeah, so many odd components. I mean, when you're talking about war and, and, and governments getting involved, um, yeah, there were so many, uh, moving parts to that, that I, I don't even, I, I'm not sure you can even replicate that.
0: One right last now. one for you on this. Um, Robert also owns the WNBA team, the Mercury, Uh, which he also said he's, he's selling. I assume these go together or or do you think there's a chance in, in, in in which somebody buys the, the mercury and not the the Suns, or vice versa?
1: I would be more than surprised if this was not a package deal. You take in both clubs.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Okay. So what are we moving on to your, your wonderful story that hit this morning on sort of our
0: wonderful story?
1: Well, I know I, I, I give, I give credit. I'm not a taker. I'm a giver. Uh, (laughs) But and you and I've talked about this and we have spoken to many executives in the sports world bit by bit. It's been it's been a drip drip drip. But you know when you know when you get the drip drip in your on your faucet and then you, you turn the thing a little bit, the faucet just a little bit, and it becomes like a, a, a very Extreme. steady stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think the sports leagues are worried that the brain drain will go from drip drip to steady stream and that the exodus of employees from sports leagues because the opportunities financially elsewhere are so good that what we're hearing is that the NBA and and the owners are at least taking notice and mulling whether to take action to uh, one of the two R's of uh, executive search. It's it's recruit and retain, and it's very expensive to keep doing those things. They want to recruit the best and they want to retain them. Tell me how they're going to think about doing it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, and one of the things, that, as we reported, that the NBA owners are thinking about doing is is setting aside a pool of money. For which to bolster compensation, and that could be higher base pay for executives. That could be signing bonuses. That can be retention bonuses, long term, um, long term incentive packages. There's a whole L-tips. lot of ways. That tips. That that yeah, there's a lot of ways that that money can be can be used. But I think you hit the nail on the head. There's a, there's a shift happening in sports over the past few years. And for a long time, sports teams and leagues really benefited from the fact that people wanted to work in sports. It was glitzy and it was sexy. It's the
1: cool thing it, to do. It's the
0: cool thing to do. And as a result, a lot of people were willing to take less pay because sports often offers less pay uh, to, to work in these industries. And the thing that has changed, well, two things are changing. One... The mandate for sports leagues, now everybody's looking at new media, they're looking at tech, they're looking at NFTs, sports betting, blockchain. The the mandate for sports leagues has expanded to the point that leagues are now competing with Apple and Amazon and Netflix for top executive talent. And that means they're competing with companies that have even more power to compensate executives and, and have equity options and things like that. So the the pay gap, I think, is widening as leagues begin to compete with new companies for executive talent. And that's come up against part two, Scott, which is COVID-19 and the way in which people think about jobs and and benefits more. Now people want to work from home. They want to travel less they want to have some kind of out of office po- those yeah, are all things uh, i'm that- not
1: sure how much balance there is in the work life balance working at a sports and stadium.
0: that's exactly right i mean the, the league offices are are here in new york and and you have to be here and and you may be traveling and working on weekends and th- there's a whole lot of things about the way in which a league is structured, both in, in not being able to offer equity and, and, and lower pay and also in the benefits that people care so much more about now that they didn't really care about in 2019 that puts a league like the NBA at a disadvantage. So, yeah, if, if owners are, uh, decide, and, and we heard it was in preliminary stages, but if they decide to put some money away to, to, to make that more competitive, I think that's a smart thing to do.
1: Now, several interesting things here in the reporting uh one we're not just talking yeah i mean it's mainly c-suite but we're not just talking vice presidents whatever like this has gone all the way to the top this has <laughs> to be a concern all the way at the top right so if we're talking about the how nba <laughs> and we're look- yeah how high does this go so it's it's sort of like how you know, normally we hear that in, in like you know uh, in in nefarious things how high does this go right this, this reaches all the way to the commissioner's office at the NBA. From what we understand, from what our sources have told us, like Adam Silver himself has been approached by tech companies saying, Would you be interested in coming on over? Uh, and I'm sure no matter what his compensation is, and we don't have a real firm handle on that. Like we know Roger Goodell at the NFL makes about what, 60 million? 60 plus, right? yeah. Six, 60 plus million. Okay. And by the way, that's, that's the formula for sports leagues. Here's your salary, here's your bonus. We ain't got nothing else. That's it. Like you said, the, there's no equity. The, there's nothing else there. It's, this has the, been the formula. So, I mean, this goes all the way to the top. And for people who may not know, why don't you tell them how the league budget works? It's not just like, oh, all right, well, you know, we'll just like, who does this? Where does the money come from? You know, it, it's a collection of owners. And there, there is a formula by which they figure out how much the league office uh, gets in budget.
0: The NBA central office is is funded essentially via the as as a part of the NBA's big revenue sharing. So so teams keep ninety four percent of their regular season home gate receipts, so ticket sales there, and the remaining six percent. That other six percent is allocated to the league office to fund its operations, and 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 the the, the biggest expense there is uh, is is salary. Uh, that also covers travel and things like that, office space, etc. Uh, and, and from what we understand, part of the conversation here is about whether that six percent is enough uh, to, to ha- is funding a- enough money towards the salary options there uh, to to make that to make the NBA remain competitive, and, and we should say Scott, this is a problem across sports, not just at, at league offices. I spoke with a, an executive recruiter in sports who told me a, a great story about an NHL team that hired him to to to, to, to find an executive for their subscri- I love digital subscription I business.
1: love this. Yeah,
0: and and the the team told him. Look, you know, look at Peloton, look at Netflix. Look, like we want the, the we want to hire somebody from outside of sports that that has a real grasp on how subscription well, Pel- Peloton may be a work. little easier these days. Yeah, a little easier. Uh, <laughs> and, and and they went to all of these companies and started talking to to people that might be in the range of what what this NHL team wanted. And then they looked at their their compensation packages. His quote was, "Holy cow! That that wow! <laughs> the, the the pay." At this level, at those companies, is so different than the pay at this level in, in an NHL team that I think they had to rethink their whole approach. He said it's it's two different animals, the way in which people are compensated at those companies, and now that they're again, now that they're going head to head so much for talent. I think it is incumbent on leagues like the NBA, the NFL, the NHL to rethink the way that they are handling and the way that they set up their pay, their bonuses, their benefits, their L tips, all that stuff. Um, It's going to require a new way of thinking and probably a a, a bit more money.
1: And I will leave it with this. I will say it's it's really important at the league level to the retain part. Because, yeah, anybody can perform the job. I get it. You bring somebody from the outside and you can probably perform the job. But at the league office, you really do encounter and work with so many folks from around the league at the teams and and the union. And and those relationships matter. Mm -hmm. If you have to start meeting everybody, introducing, okay, here's another new person – not having also, if I may throw in, the institutional knowledge of what came 10, 15, 20 years before, how it was done, why it was changed, how everything fits together. Not having the institutional knowledge and the relationships and having to recreate all of those things. I, I don't can't put the dollar figure on it, but it is certainly costly to sports leagues so it's a a
0: great great point that the structure here is just so weird and bizarre and there's factions of owners and owners have specific people at each league that they feel most comfortable with and then maybe some people at each league that they don't feel like they trust fully yeah it is it is very difficult to just create those relationships if you're coming in filling in for someone who's been there for a while
1: all right he is Edmund Novi williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnik on Twitter at Soshnik. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. Our digital media editor, I think she's on vacation this week, Cora Veltman. Even though she's not around, I will tell you that she loves it when I tell you that the show can be found at Sporticast, which is the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Media Network.